overwhelm it and, and crush it. Even in this harsh judgment, God is signaling, giving a sign of, of great hope that one day the evil that the, the serpent, that Satan has brought upon mankind would, would be brought to an end. Yes, Satan would strike his heel. He would inflict a wound. But God would raise him from the dead. And for certain victory, bringing an end to Satan's rule of misery over, over humanity. This word in Genesis is the first sign of hope. The first sign of, of, of Christmas hope that was to come. And, and God continued to do that. Throughout the course of history, he, 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 the Bible tells us that he befriended a man named Abraham. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 12. And through that friendship with Abraham... God, God promises Abraham uh, several things, but one of the things he said to him, he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. In fact, I'm going to make you into lots of nations. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. And then in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says this, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. And through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. And, and God fulfilled that. He began building this great nation of Israel through the family lineage uh, of Abraham. And God continued to give signs and, and signals. Even though there were these hundreds and hundreds of years of long waiting around 700 B.C., through the prophet Isaiah, God spoke an incredible message of hope. He said these words through to the king of Judah through Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It was the clearest prophecy of the coming uh, Messiah, the one who would come, God in the flesh. Now, there would still be many centuries of waiting before that promise will be fulfilled in Jesus. And they would be long, difficult days of waiting. But they were putting their, their hope in, in Messiah. Sometimes we go through periods of long waiting in, in this life. All of us right now are waiting for an end to this virus. We're, we're, we're all waiting for that vaccine to be released. We're all waiting for the, the day that we all get released but we're also all waiting for other things. And I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe, maybe you're waiting on some direction from God. Maybe through our 40 days of prayer journey, you, you began praying a prayer that you're asking God to, 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 to bring about. And maybe you're waiting on God's answer. Maybe you're waiting on the return of, of a wayward child who's walked away from the Lord and maybe walked away from you. Maybe, maybe you're waiting on your marriage to be healed. But you're in a season of waiting. And you don't need to wait with, without hope because even in your waiting, Christ can be your hope. And one of my prayers is, is that every time you see us light the candle of hope, because we'll relight it each week, it will remind you that you have hope even while you're having to wait on something. Even have, while you're having to wait on God. Because in this lifetime, there are going to be many seasons of waiting. So there is hope in Jesus that will help us through the waiting. But then there's also a second aspect of, of hope is this. Those who hope in Jesus will be able to go the distance. You'll be able to go the distance. One of the important events in the biblical accounts of 
of Christmas, that first Christmas, was the visitation by the Magi to, to Jesus, coming to see Jesus after he, was, after he was born there in Bethlehem. Now, the Magi, or wise men, as the Scripture often calls them, they were magicians. They were astrologers from, from the, the, the Far East, and they interpreted dreams, and they looked at the stars to try to figure out what would happen on earth. They believed they could somehow controlled events on earth. And we, this is not our first encounter in the Christmas story of, of Magi. They're, they were mentioned actually back um, in, in the, the books of Moses when Moses had encounters in Egypt with these magician kinds of people. Um, they're mentioned in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel had encounters with the Magi of the, the, the Babylonia and, and Persian kingdoms. And so we know that uh, these Magi had, had access to uh, some of the writings. And so Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how many. We sometimes think there are three because of the, the, the number of gifts that were mentioned in the Scripture. But I want you to look at what the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now this, this encounter that the Magi had with Jesus were important for, for many reasons. One is because it fulfills Old Testament prophecy. The Old Testament uh, prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 60 verse 3 said this. He prophesied this. And nations shall come to your light. Speaking of Zion, speaking of Jerusalem. Shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Their coming to Jesus was a, a foreshadowing, really, of the gospel message that the gospel would be for, for all nations, that through Abraham, God would bless every nation. The gifts that they brought were fit for a king, gifts be, befitting a king, and they came to worship a king. They were intent that that's what they, they were doing. But I want us to think a little bit about the distance they came. More than likely, they traveled somewhere in the neighborhood of about a thousand miles. They were from that Babylonian Persian Persian re region. In, anyway, they, they traveled this great distance, and the distance was over dangerous terrain. It was uh, through dangerous regions of country and would have been fought with lots of perils. But what would prompt somebody to go on such a journey? I think it was hope. I I, I think they were hopeful. To meet this king that scripture had, had prophesied about. Remember, we, we read a moment ago, they came to the ruling king, King Herod at the time. And in, in verse 2, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, star when it rose and have come to worship him. You know, some have wondered sometimes, how did, how did the Magi connect with this whole star thing? You know, they were interested in, in prophetic writings. They were interested in the stars. And because the nation of Israel had been held in captivity in Persia and Babylon for, for years, for, for decades, they would have been exposed to some of the writings, the Jewish prophetic writings. And so they knew of the prophecies of, of the coming king. They would have known of a passage in Numbers chapter 24 that we can read. It says this, I, I see him but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. Listen to this. A star will rise from Jacob, the nation of Israel, 
A scepter will emerge from Israel. Scepter represents a king. There's this connection between this star rising and, and this new king. That's, that was their connection. And so they came because they, were, they needed their hope fulfilled. They needed to meet this king. And so they went the distance in order to have their, their hope fulfilled in, in, in Christ. Now, one of the realities for everyone in this room is that we all go through trials. We all go through journeys that are difficult, that are fraught with, with peril, that can be challenging to our souls, challenging to our, our bodies. And that's why it's so important that you and I understand that the hope that Jesus brings is the hope that helps us go the distance because part of that hope at Christmas is that God is with us. God said he would be with us, e Emmanuel. That, that's the prophecy, which means he will, he will give you the strength to go the distance through the trials you face. Back through our 40 days of prayer journey, we talked a little bit about God having purpose for your trials. Whatever you're going through, whatever, whatever you're facing, God, God has a purpose for them. And one is to shape you to the image of his beloved son, Jesus. But the other is so that you will experience great glory when you come into God's presence. Listen to this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about trials they are facing. He says this, that is why we never give up. You, 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 when you hope in Christ, you're not going to give up. You'll have, have strength to go the distance. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, speaking of our trials, and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. Friends, that's hope. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That future glory that will be built on your trials that you face. And that's how Paul kept going. If you've ever studied the life of Paul, I mean, the dude went through a lot of suffering. He, he went through a lot of trials. And the hope that he had in Christ is what helped him go the distance. So here's one of the questions you and I have got to ask ourselves. Right now today, what, what are we putting our hope in? What, what are, what are we, we, we hoping in? Is, are you putting your hope in your abilities? Are you putting your hope in your 401k? Are you putting your hope in your business prowess? Are you putting your hope in your, your health or your physical strength? What, what are you putting your hope in? That latest investment you made? What about a person? What person are you hanging a lot of your, your hope on? Friends, you can look around and see that if you put your hope in any of those things, eventually they're going to let you down. Those things will fail you. The only hope that can get you through the distance that you're going to go through is Christ alone. There's a third aspect of hope that I want to point out, and it's this, that those who hope in Jesus will not be disappointed. When you put your hope in Jesus, you'll not be disappointed. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, wrote these words. He says, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we boast of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. This hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts. See, the, this, this biblical account of the, the, the full Christmas story is, is not just one testimony. The, when, when you read all of the Christmas story throughout, when you piece it together through the gospel narratives, one of the things that you will see is that over and over again, people put their hope in Jesus and he did not disappoint. I mean, when you, when you think of, of Mary, you know, all, the, all that, that Mary went through, um, you know, she, she wasn't disappointed. Now, I, I would imagine, and in fact, I, I, I wanna, want you to think with me about this, the prophecies that came about the birth of Jesus, that he would be born of a virgin. And, and those, those prophecies are fulfilled in the life of Mary. We read in the Gospel of Matthew, we read it earlier, verse, one, uh, verse 22 of chapter 1, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary was told by an angel that she would give birth to a Savior. Now, I've never met and ha- sat, you know, been able to sit down and have a conversation with a woman who was pregnant who did not have some expectation for her child. Some expectation of maybe what delivery was going to be like and what life was going to be like. And, you know, kind of some, I doubt very seriously when Mary was imagining her life one day being a mommy, that she thought that that journey was going to take the turn it took. I doubt very seriously she thought, I really hope I have the expectation that one day I'll be nine months pregnant and get to take a long donkey ride. I don't think she hoped for that. Um, that's not what her hope was in, I don't think. She, she had a different expectation, I, I believe, altogether. But then when Jesus, when she got that word from the angel, her hopes changed. Her hopes were no longer in those kinds of events. Her hope was now in this child who was growing in, inside of her. That's, that's what her hope was. And we read in Luke chapter 2, the story, that Joseph went to register with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in clothes, and laid him in a manger, for there was no room for them to stay in the inn. I mean, she, I don't imagine she thought that she would give birth to her, her firstborn child in a barn. And have to put him in a, a feeding trough. And the only clo- clothing available to on their first, you know, baby outfit would be literally strips of rags to wrap the baby with to keep him warm. That was her experience. But that's not what her hope was in any longer. Her imagine or expected what it would be like. Her hope was now in this child this child who she would cradle, this child she would nurse, her hope became placed in Jesus, and she wasn't disappointed. We know the story of the shepherds. The shepherds, when they encountered Jesus, the Bible tells us that they left rejoicing and they told everybody. Their their encounter with Jesus, that the hope that grew did not disappoint. 
We, we know about the hope the Magi had. that They weren't disappointed. We, we can think about uh, Jesus' earthly dad, Joseph. He puts his hope in this, this child, and Joseph was not disappointed. We read about others out of the Christmas story. Uh, if you go further into the Gospel of Luke, we encounter a man named Simeon. And the Bible tells us Simeon in, in, in Luke chapter 2 verse 25 says that at this time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. I, just This is a left turn for a minute, okay? I guess this would be a right turn, but anyway, j just for a minute, the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon. Friends, you get promptings from the Holy Spirit, and had Simeon not followed through on this prompting that the Holy Spirit gives him in this moment, he'd have missed Jesus. When the, ho the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to do something between now and Christmas for somebody, I believe that. He's going, there's the Holy Spirit, if, if Christ lives in you, the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your life to do something to benefit somebody else. If you don't act on that, you will miss something from Jesus. Look what Simeon would have missed if he hadn't listened. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He's the light to reveal God to the nations. He's the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon would have missed the Messiah. And he had built his life on, on hoping to see him. God had told him he would and his, his whole hope was wrapped up. And he wasn't disappointed. He took the child in his arms, and it was just incredible. Later in that same chapter, we read about a prophetess named Anna. Look at this with me. Verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel uh, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. And uh, then it goes on to say, and she lived as a widow to the age of 84. At just estimating here, she may have been a widow for somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 years. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting in prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. And she talked to everybody about the child, to anyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. This prophetess, this, this woman, Anna, just worship God day and night. And on that, that first Christmas season, eight days after the birth of Jesus, her hope was filled. She was telling anyone who would listen about this. See, that, that hope that they had is for you and me too. And if we put our hope in Jesus... If we put our hope in the return of Christ, he will not disappoint us. It's only when we put our hope in other things of this world that we're let down. But if you're putting your hope in the return of Jesus, in the day when all of evil is going to be wiped out, in the day when all things are going to be right, in the day when all of creation is going to be restored, you will not be disappointed.
Are you hoping for that day? Is your life built on that hope? Paul wrote to the church at Rome about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 23 and following. He says, we also have been waiting. We have the Spirit as the first part of God's promise. So we are waiting for God to finish making us his own children, which means that our bodies will be made free. We were saved and we have this hope. People do not hope for something they already have, but we are hoping for something that we do not have yet. We are waiting for it patiently. See, when you put your hope in Christ, you're not going to be disappointed. Look at a little later, Paul writes in this letter to the church at Rome. He says this in Romans 10, for the scripture says. Anytime you're reading the New Testament, it says for the scripture says. More than likely, you're going to be pointed back to a promise from God in the Old Testament. And that's what's happening here. Paul says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him, him being Jesus, will not be disappointed. You put your hope in other things. You put your trust in other things. They're going to disappoint. Are, are, are you hoping in the plans that you've made for the future? You know, those, those may let you down. But Jesus, Jesus will never, he'll never disappoint. This Christmas season, you're going to have, you know, there, there, there are many reasons for, for us to celebrate Christmas. But one of those is the hope that Jesus brings. A very significant part of that hope is rooted in the plan that God had to save us. Remember, Jesus came to save us from our sins. Paul writing to his friend Timothy. This isn't going to come up on the screen. You can write it down if you want to. 1 Timothy 3.15, we read, Here's a trustworthy saying, and it deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And what that means is he came to save you. And it means he came to, to save me. Jesus was born that first Christmas so that he might grow into a, a man, the God-man. And that he would choose willingly to sacrifice his life, to suffer and die on a cruel cross, to pay a penalty that you could not pay. A penalty for your sin that you owed God. Penalty for my sin that I owe God that I could not, a debt I couldn't pay. And Jesus decided that he would pay that price. And so he did on Calvary. And then he, he was raised from the dead. And he, he went to heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And he has promised he will come back. That, that he is going to return. He was born into this world so that you might have hope. So if you're discouraged this morning, if you are tired of waiting on your own without hope, if you feel like, if you just feel like giving up, if you just feel like your life is overwhelmed by disappointment, if you will put your trust in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. Never be disappointed. A little bit later in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew writes these words about Jesus. It says, and his name will be the hope of all the world. Th that name Jesus, that name Jesus equals hope. He's the hope of the world. So when you put your hope in Jesus, you'll get through your seasons of waiting. When you put your hope in Jesus, you'll be able to go the distance through any trial you face. And if you will put your hope in Jesus, all of your hope in Jesus, you'll never be disappointed. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says this, Hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We're living in a time where it seems like we're disconnected from hope. The Bible says that hope in Jesus is a strong anchor for your soul. If your soul feels frayed and disenfranchised and, and just at, at feeling separated from yourself, the Bible says that hope in Christ is a strong place to anchor your soul. I hope you'll make that decision today to put all your hope in Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. Pray with me, okay? Father God, we come in that name, in the name of Jesus. We know, God, that Jesus, your name is hope to us. I pray right now, Father, if there's someone in in the sound of my voice who has not put all their hope in Jesus, that right now today, they'll realize that they want to place their hope in someone who will not disappoint. And that's you, Lord. And if that's you, all you got to do is just cry out to that, that name, Jesus, and say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm trusting that when you came at Christmas, you came with the intent to die for me. And that you paid that price so that I wouldn't have to be separated from God any longer. And that gives me hope. And so I, I repent of my own ways. I repent of my sin. I repent of choosing to do things my way. And I trust you, Jesus. I put all my hope, all my trust in you. The Bible says if you come to Jesus that way, he'll save you. Most of us in this room probably have made that decision. And what we need to do today is go back and anchor our souls in that hope in Jesus. So we'll not be disappointed. So we can go the distance through any trial that we're facing right now. So God, we come. We come grateful for the hope that we have in you. We come grateful that our hope in you is not just a dead hope or a distant hope, that our hope is living, that you, Jesus, are our living hope. And so we come now to worship you. We come to thank you, oh God, that you are our living hope. Jesus, it's in your name. We ask these things and we pray.
My prayer for you this week is that not only will you experience the love of Jesus in powerful ways, but it would move you to give thanks and that you would express your love for him, not just by showing up here on a Sunday, but by celebrating his goodness, being thankful every day this week. One of the things that I'm so thankful for is these people right back here. Just the, the blessing they are. Um, I, I thank God for their service. I thank God for, I thank God for the mandolin today. That was just beautiful, you know. Uh, and I thank God for you, my River family. And every time I think of you, I'm just going to keep giving thanks because you're beautiful. You're beautiful to God. You're beautiful in this broken world that needs the gospel of Jesus. So go giving thanks. Praise His holy name. And my prayer for you is that you will have an incredibly blessed season of giving thanks to God. God bless you. We'll see you soon.